0: So we started this, this conversation looking at this conversation that Jesus was having with, with people he was inviting to follow him in this discipleship relationship. And he says, so, so come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Right? This, this invitation to, to this group of people who, who ha- were carrying burdens. And he said, so, so, so I will give you rest. And he offers them this, this easy yoke, this, this position in the, in, on the yoke where you have the, the strong ox that's, that's doing the brunt of the work, that's leading and giving direction, that's, that's teaching what would be the easy position, the one that's in the easy position, what, what they're supposed to do and giving direction and all these things. And so there's this, this easy yoke, which gives us a picture of this easy life where we realize that we are yoked to this much, much stronger ox. This one who's, who's doing the, the bulk of the work and just inviting us to, to go with him on what he's doing. But what we see as we talk about this, and we look at that picture that Jesus chose as he talks about that, 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 that approach to life, is that um, it really is a choice that we have to make. It's a choice that says, I'm going I'm to surrender the direction that I wanted to go or what I, what I wanted to do. There's, there's all these benefits that, that come to this, this yoked with Jesus life. But there's a cost. And it's we surrender the where we choose to go, right? We surrender the opportunity to say, I want to be in charge of where we go. We don't, we don't say, I'm, I'm taking on this life and saying, so, so Jesus, I now want you to bless what I'm trying to do. Or, I'm not, we're not just inviting Jesus into our mission, but we're saying, we want to get in on what God is doing. We want to strain and, and work and, and push and all those things, but, but in, 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 like in uh, conjunction with what Jesus is doing. And the thing that keeps us straining against the yoke, the thing that is that as a, as a, as a theme and an operation, operating system that, that keeps us from just submitting to that kind of life that we're invited to, the, the, the key component is this thing called trust. It's us saying, I trust Jesus with the process. I trust Jesus with the outcome. I trust Jesus to, to provide for me even when I don't know how it's going to happen. The problem is, if trust is what helps us live this way, if trust is what says that, that I can behave mercifully because, because I realize that I've been given mercy, that I can trust that, that, that God will continue to, to, to pour into my life, that, um, that trust, learning to trust, can be such an extraordinarily painful process. Uh, some of us know that because we might be in the midst of that process right now. Right, where we're going through this where it's like, man, I have come to the, I have come to the end of myself. I, I don't know what the next step is. I'm not sure what I can do. I don't, know, I don't know how I'm supposed to move forward from here. And we're in this moment, maybe some of us, as we look at this and we're like, well, all I can do, right? All I can do is trust because I have tried everything, right? I've tried everything that I can think of. I've, I've tried to make every adjustment. I've tried to, to do things differently and all these things. And it's like, well, now I'm to the point where I have no other option. I just simply have to I have to trust that, that this is going to work out, right? Or I hope I can, I can trust. It's this, this process of, of going through and being refined and coming to the end of ourselves and, and, and seeing that, that God is in fact in control. And what Jesus is going to talk about is he has this conversation with the disciples. This is a story of Jesus sending the disciples out on, on a, a missionary journey saying, so, so go and do some things. Jesus has been teaching them, he's been, he's been demonstrating to them what, what things can look like, what ministry and life can look like in connection with God and all these things. And, and now Jesus is looking at the disciples and saying, it's your turn, right? Let's give this a try, let's, let's send you out to, to do things. But wrapped up in this, there's this thread, there's this reality that there's only so far they're going to go, there's only so far we're going to go without, without trust, Right, without having developed that particular muscle, without having learned to trust God. But the tension is, right, the tension is that whole process of learning to trust God is terrifying. That whole process of, of learning to trust God means that we have to get to the very end of ourselves, which is not fun, right? That's not something that we enjoy. It's not something that we would necessarily want to do. And so this whole process, the, the very act of learning is, is, is an exercise in trust itself. So here's Jesus sending out these 12 disciples, right? Things are about to get very real for them as they have journeyed with him and now it's their missionary journey. It's their turn to to go and do the kinds of things that Jesus has been teaching them to do. And so in verse five of Matthew chapter 10, this conversation Jesus is having that we're leaning in and listening to this this evening is Jesus talking to the 12. He's talking to the disciples and he says, "So, so do not go. Or he sent out the, 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 the disciples with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or, or any, enter into any town of, of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And so Jesus is giving parameters for this particular phase of the missionary journey. Right? This is Jesus saying, so, so let's start with, with this particular group. Let's start with these particular towns. Let's start with, with these parameters. I'm going to send you out. And we're, going to, we're going to do this. I'm going to send you out, and then we're going to come back together, and we're going to talk about how it went. And Jesus is developing them. He's he's giving them opportunities to do things so they can can speak correctively or learn as they're they're going. And then Jesus begins to equip them. He's developing and sending them out, but he begins to equip them with the particular message that that they're called to present. In verse 7, he says, And as you go, as you go on this journey, right? As you go to these places, as you go to these towns, as you go to these people, as you as you go, this is what you say. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Right? Jesus is saying, your job, your job in this moment isn't to, like, to, like, to like change the world. Your job is to point attention or bring attention to the fact that, that the kingdom is, is near, that there is something that's, that's happening. There's this, this thing that's emerging within our awareness that, that there is something that's going on. And your job is to simply say, look what God is up to. He's not equipping them with an argument. He's not equipping them with, with all these clever things to say. He says, simply go and, and, and tell people that the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then to accompany that, there's the actions that support this particular statement, the evidence of the kingdom's presence that, that's, that's coming near, that Jesus says, so, so then heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Now, I put myself in this moment trying to just imagine what this would feel like, right? Because there's this thing where it's like, I have been, you know, like, picture myself as a disciple. Picture yourself as a disciple. And here's Jesus talking and, and he's saying, so, so you're going to go and you're going to go to this, what feels maybe like a little bit of like, like safe kind of places. You're going to go to places that you might be expecting to go to. And so you're doing these things, but... Um, and then you're going to have just this very simple thing that you're going to say. Right? The kingdom of heaven has come near. And it's like, okay, I can do that. Right? I can go to these towns. I can I can go say these things, that this, this feels like it's going to be this, this, this a, a pretty good experience, a very simple kind of first step, and then, and then Jesus continues. He says, But then do some things. Right? And the things that he's asking them to do are extraordinary. Right, the things that he's asking them to do or he's inviting them to do with, with him are, are, are things that are just absolutely beyond imagination. Right? For them, they've seen Jesus do these kinds of things. But now what Jesus is saying is, I want you to get in on this. Right? I want you to get in and, and get, in, get a front row seat to God doing these powerful, extraordinary kinds of things. So, so, so you're proclaiming, but then I'm also going to to use you to make an incredible difference in the world around you as well. So he says, so do what I do, right? So, so, so go where I tell you to go and, and, and say what I tell you to say, but then also do, not on your power, but on my power, do what I'm, what I'm calling you to do. So, so heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received. So freely give proclaiming the kingdom is a, is a reminder for them to recognize that, that, that for them they're re- realizing that the kingdom has come near. And so Jesus is saying, so, so even as you proclaim it, as you say that the kingdom is near, you are going to functionally live this out. or right? You're going to have to actually like, lean into this thing. If you're saying the kingdom is near, then you're going to have to like, trust that the kingdom is near because I'm asking you to do things that you are incapable of doing on your own. To, to accomplish what has been set before you goes beyond your personal power. You cannot make this happen. You're going to have to trust that I'm at work with you. But he says, but remember that, that freely you have received, so freely give. Recognizing that that, that it starts with us realizing, it starts with them realizing how they have received, that it wasn't that, that they have earned something, it wasn't that they have, have done enough good things that Jesus was pleased with them so he was sending them out to do things that, um, that if they continued to do the right things then they would have the kind of power that Jesus is describing. What Jesus is saying is you have been given, right, beyond imagination, that there has been done for you what you could never have done for yourself, that you have been invited into this, but recognize that, it, that it's not something you're supposed to hold on to. You talk about the easy life. It's not something you have to make happen. It's something you have received. Now, now that you have received, then give from what you have received. Which creates a posture that allows them as they go out and serve, as they would go out and proclaim the nearness of the kingdom, that, that they could posture themselves in a way that says that we don't need things from people, right? That, that we want more for people than we want from them, that, that we have been provided for by God, that we can, we can follow and trust and, and do these things that, because, because God has done for us. But then you look at this list of what Jesus is describing. You look at, the, at a world in desperate need of, of the kinds of things that, that Jesus is describing that he's sending them to do. There, there are sick that need to be healed. There, there have been those who have, who have died that, that are in need of raising. There are lepers that need cleanse. There's, there's people who are being tormented by demons who need to be set free from that. And Jesus says, the world needs you to do what I'm sending you to do. That, that there are people, specific people, that, that, that need you to do what I'm calling you to do. So Jesus is sending them out, maybe, you know, empty-handed and, and ready and, and, and just learning to trust him, but, but also sending them out with so much to offer. And I think what Jesus is teaching, at least in part in this moment, is that they have so much more to offer than they realize, that, that, that the proclamation of the nearness of the kingdom is a significant proclamation, right? This is a proclamation that would, that would literally change the course of history. But there's also very practical things. There's also things that he's inviting them to do, that he's asking them to do, that that change the world for particular people along the way as well. And so Jesus is saying, we have so much. You have so much to offer. It's it's, it's not your strength. It's not something you're providing, but it's something that, that you are receiving and then giving from what you have been given. That you don't have to worry about running out of whatever it is that I've placed in your hands because because you, you, you don't have to worry about it because I am providing for you so that you can provide. Early on, one of the things that I loved about this church's response to the COVID outbreak was one of the very first statements that we made as a church when we talked about how is it that we should respond, what should we do, and, and how do we respond as the world is trying to figure out what, what's going on and, and, and what's happening in our community, all these things. We, we took a posture where we just simply said, how can we help? What is it that we can do if we can just find out what, what, what needs exist in the community and, and find out who, who is ready and willing and able to, to help fulfill needs? And we, and we just became this place where we said, so, so how can we help? Recognizing that we didn't know as a church, we had no idea what all was going to come in the next few months and didn't understand and couldn't really even imagine all the things that we've walked through. But we said, what we know, what you said, is what we know is that God has entrusted it to us what he has entrusted to us, and so how are we going to use this to, to help those around us? How can we help? Which is a beautiful posture. It's a posture that reflects the exact call that, that Jesus has given as he's, as he's sending people out. And it's such a beautiful picture, right? It's such a beautiful picture of, of this very simple call that, that we have as followers of Jesus to, to, to simply say, so, so get close to Jesus, right? Jesus says, come to me, and I'm gonna give you rest. But then he says, so, so come and, and, and recognize that the kingdom is near, and then go and do the things that you've seen me do. Go and do the things that, that you, have, you have watched as I've, as I've done. You've had a, had a front row seat or you've observed these things, but now you get to get into the game and you get to get involved. And it's, it's a beautiful step. It's a beautiful invitation that we've been given, but all these great things, right? This, this life that, that Jesus is describing, that this piece where it's like if, if, the, if, if the invitation stopped there, then it's, it's like, okay, so we have to figure out how we allow God to work through us, right? We have to figure out how we get out of the way and what God's trying to do through us. And, and that's gonna be difficult. We're gonna to have to trust him with the mission and, and all these kinds of things. But, but the catch, right, the part that makes it the, the hard choice for us, as Jesus says, it's not enough to just just say you trust, right? This mission that I'm sending you on is an exercise of trust, so it's all these great things, this incredible front row seed, these extraordinary things that, that they get to be a part of. And he says, so these are all great things, but, but here's the catch, right? Here's the thing that you have to recognize, that you have to hold on to as you understand the way this all plays out. Verse 9, do not, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or an extra shirt or a sandal or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. What Jesus is saying is you're going to begin this journey empty-handed and alone, right? You're going to at least feel that way, that, that you're going to start this journey not with you making sure that you have all the provisions that you need. You're not going to start with, with everything that you think you need to sustain the mission that's in front of you, that we have this tendency as humans to say, there's this, this thing that I'm getting ready to go on, this, this, this mission that I'm doing, or this, this journey that I'm about to start, and so I better bring everything that I could possibly need. We have this tendency not to pack for our fears. We, pack, or we don't pack for our needs. We pack for our fears. We say, but, but what if this happens? And what if this happens? And I want to make sure I'm prepared. I don't want to be dependent on anyone else. I want to make sure I have what I need. And so we have this tendency as human beings to say, I want to, want to make sure that I have in my hand and my grasp everything that I could possibly need. Jesus is saying the kind of journey that I'm sending you out on, the kind of mission that I'm sending you out on is going to be one where, where you're going to have to trust me from the very beginning. That where they're being sent out to, the, the journey that they're being sent out to is a, is, is a tough environment, right? This is not an easy place to survive. This is a place that, that where, where this journey, even though they're going to these towns and all these places, that, that death was a very real possibility on the mission that they were being sent out on. That when Jesus says, don't put the gold and silver in your belt, there's this, the, the cloth that they would have used as belts They would have, have had folds in those, and that's where they would keep the, the, the coins that they would have traveled with. You can imagine that there would be this tendency as you begin this journey, you're saying, so how many days am I going to be gone? How long is this going to take? What all is going to be required? How am I going to make sure I have at least some sort of backup plan that is going to give me some confidence? The disciples, maybe we're even starting to do some calculations in their head and they're thinking, well, well, maybe an extra fold or two with a few extra coins and it would be a good idea. And Jesus is saying, don't begin to think that you're, pro- that you're going to provide for yourself. Right? If you're starting this mission thinking that, that you have to provide for yourself or you have to be utterly self-sufficient, then, then you're missing the point of the journey to begin with. But there's this lesson you know, it's a lesson that on the front edge of the story would be hard for the disciples to see when we walk in these moments, when we, when we find ourselves left with, with what feels like nothing but whatever God may provide to us, that, that we look at these moments and we're like, I, I just don't know what I'm, what I'm supposed to be learning. or I don't even know how I'm supposed to, to move forward from this. Jesus is, is putting the disciples in this kind of situation. He's putting them in this, this empty-handed position where their only hope is that, is that God will provide for them. They're learning to trust. But what he's doing is he's setting them up for the big lesson, maybe one of the biggest lessons of their lives, because he can point back to this moment regardless of what comes after this, right, regardless of where they're sent from there, regardless of, of, of the places that, that their journeys would take them from there, that they would have this moment where Jesus could point back and say, you remember, do you remember when I sent you out on that first journey, right? Do you remember when I sent you out on that first missionary journey and I, and I sent you to those towns and we talked about what you're supposed to take with you and I told you not to take anything? He says, do you remember that time when I sent you out in a way that made you feel like you were were in, in deep, deep trouble because you didn't have anything that would have given you confidence other than what God was going to provide for you? I can just imagine in later conversations, Jesus pointing back and saying, do you remember that moment? What did you lack? Because you're here. I did provide for you, that God did what God said he was going to do, that, that, that remember when I sent you out with nothing, and yet, and yet it worked out, right? There's these moments that build confidence, these moments that say, look, if, if, if I survived that, right, if I, if I went on this journey like what Jesus is describing, and, and I went empty handed, and, and yet it worked out, then it gives confidence for the next step, and the next step, and the next step. But Jesus says, so here's how I'm going to provide. Right? Here's how it's going to work. Verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting, and if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, then leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. And what Jesus is saying is, is, is God has, has people that are ready to provide for you. The, that, the part of how this is going to work out is that, is that God is going to provide for you through people. That hospitality from the very beginning has been a mark of God's people. The hard part, the hard part is we like to be the ones with something to offer. Right? We like to be the ones, of, if we're talking the equation or the relationship of, of meeting needs and providing for needs, that, that we just tend to want to be the ones who are providing and we don't want to have to be the ones who receive. It's tough being the one that has to accept help. That, but, but Jesus says, if, if, you, if you can't learn, right, if you can't learn to depend on my people, then, then how are you ever going to learn to depend on me? Because I'm going to probably supply, you're going to see that I supply your needs through my people. And so Jesus says, so if, if you think that you have to somehow provide for yourself or if you think you don't want to have to be dependent on the people of God, then, 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 then the journey is, is going to be stunted for you. You're not going to make it where, where I'm calling you to go because you have to learn to trust. And the way that I work and the way that I provide is through my people. So it's for our spiritual good, right? It's for our benefit to, to be on the receiving side at times, for us when those moments where we are in need, for us to, to have those have those needs met. And Jesus says, if it doesn't work out, right? If, 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 if the town is not receptive to what, the, the message that you bring, if you find that, that people aren't listening, that he says it's okay to shake the dust off your feet and let your peace return to you, that, that you don't have to lose your peace over, over all of this, that, that you can let it return to you because your calling, your calling is to faithfulness. Whether this is a relationship or conversations or whatever, that we think that we're called to just be fruitful all the time, all the time, all the time. What Jesus is saying is what you're calling is is to faithfulness. That to trust, to trust Jesus with the journey means that we trust Jesus with with the outcome as well. And so we can go into, as he's talking to the disciples, he says you may go into a town and they're not receptive. You may go into a town and it doesn't feel like you, you accomplished very much. least in terms of what your expectations were. But he says the the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is, is is I'm not calling you to necessarily be fruitful. I'm calling you to be faithful. I'm calling you to trust me. I'm calling you to to go and do what I asked you to do. I didn't send you out just to hit home runs. I didn't send you out to to do to do great things on your own strength. I sent you out to to learn to trust me. That your calling, that your calling is to faithfulness. That you may not get to see the fruit of your work. You may not get to see exactly what all the outcomes are, but you're, but you're learning to trust. So much so. So much so that what they're learning, and you can imagine the decision, they go to this first town or they go to a town along the way and it does not go well. But what Jesus says is you don't give up and turn around and go home because it didn't go well. You, 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 you trust me and you move on to the next town. It's an exercise in learning obedience. And an exercise in learning to trust. To to trust enough to to keep moving. And so we're learning to trust. Right? We're learning to to follow after what God is teaching us. We're learning to 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 lean in and listen to to what God is saying. And saying that when you talk about the easy life. Not that the mission is easy, not that, that every step of the journey is going to be easy, but, but we can be in a place where we say, I'm, I'm learning to trust, because when I trust, I realize that, that I'm not the one in control. I'm not the one that has to provide for myself. I'm not the one that, that has to provide all the pieces of the, of the story or, or be fruitful or make things happen. I simply trust the one who's calling me, the one who's sending me, the one who's, who's guiding me on this journey. And so when we say we, we're learning to trust, we, we're, we're learning to trust trust God to provide for you. We're learning to trust God to provide for you. In the book, A Tale of Three Kings, it's a story in part of, of, of King David, and, and the, the author is telling the this, this story, describing a moment for David, and he says that, that beginning empty-handed and alone frightens the best of men. Right? Beginning empty-handed and alone frightens the best of men, but it also speaks volumes of just how sure they are that God is with them. You say, I'm going to set out on this journey. I'm going to set out on this way. I'm going to to take this step, even though I know I don't have what I need to accomplish everything. I know I can't provide for myself. That it feels like I'm empty-handed and alone, but, but I'm not. I have God with me. We learn to trust God by actually practicing trust. This is the hard part of the process. To to learn to trust means we actually have to put trust into practice, that we actually have to apply trust to the act of living to then allow God to prove his His trustworthiness to us so we can begin to, to trust for the next step and the next step and the next step. One of the things I've learned along the way, one of the things I've seen happen in, even in the life of this church is, is that the most dangerous kingdom people, right? not in terms of dangerous to the church, but, but dangerous to darkness, those who are going to push back darkness and, and in extraordinary kinds of ways, the most dangerous kingdom people, the kind of people that, that Jesus was trying to train up and teach and say, so, so trust me and then go do these extraordinary things and, and bear light in the darkness and all these things that the most dangerous kingdom people, are the ones who have come to the end of, their, of themselves and realized and found that God was there for them. Right? Because all of a sudden you realize, if you've ever had this moment, or maybe you're like heading towards this moment, you're not sure if it's even like, kind of like work out, you're, you're in, the, in the midst of learning this lesson, but the most powerful, the most dangerous, in terms of pushing back darkness, kingdom people, are the ones who have come to the very, very end of themselves and realize that that God is there, that God has them then you become fearless. It's like, well, look, I've, I've already come to the end of myself. I already know where that ends. But when I got to the end of myself, I found that, that that's where God was beginning to do these things that, that I never could have done for myself. And so the world begins to look different. The, the call, the, the courage that we have to, to move forward, to, to take those steps that require trust are, are made easier because we've actually seen that God has done what he said he would do. Those people, you could say in terms of the language that we've been using throughout this series that have learned to trust the easy yoke. I said, look, this is where Jesus is going and this is what Jesus is inviting me to do and this is what's happening and I'm just, I'm learning from him along the way that that, 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 that kind of person, the person who's, who's learned to trust the journey, who's learned to trust Jesus with the process and the outcome that, so I don't have to provide for myself because, because God's going to take care of me. That those are the kind of people that God can do extraordinary things through. So we trust God to provide for you. We trust God, we learn through this process, we trust God to work through others. Recognizing just simply to to put a point on this one to say that that we learn that this is not a solo mission. That what has been placed in front of us, even for the disciples to accomplish the mission that that Jesus was sending them on was going to require faithful response by not just the disciples, but, but also by those who would provide for the disciples along the way. And so we look at even what feels like the most big, like the, the biggest solo mission that we could ever imagine, these things maybe that, that God is inspiring us to begin to dream about. And we look and we say, so, so, how in the world could I possibly accomplish this? And we see from the very beginning of Jesus sending people out to do extraordinary things, he says, The, the good news is, is none of this, none of this is a solo mission, none of this is, is entirely on any one person even this thing that, that, that could maybe from the outside look like a heroic effort on the, on, the, on the part of one individual, that none of it, none of it is a solo mission. And so we learn and, and we realize that, that, that as we learn this, that when we learn to trust God to, to work through others, that we begin to see possibilities that go beyond what we could, have, could have ever accomplish on our own, that we all need help. And we trust God to work through others. We, we trust God to go before you to recognize that in those situations where we're not sure how it's going to work out, right? We're not sure if, if, if we have in us what, what's going to be required of us to, to do what it is that God's asking us to do, or what God's inviting us to do. In those, in those moments where we're, we're marked by uncertainty, and we're, we're not sure how to move forward, that, that we can picture, that we can picture that yoke, right? These, these two oxen, and one is in the, in the strong position, one's in the easy position, and to say, look, look, the good news is it's it's not on us, right? It's not on us to make things happen. But we gotta trust, we get to trust the, the, the one who's leading, the one who's carrying the weight, the one who's, who's ultimately responsible for everything that's inviting us to, to be part of what he's doing. For some of us, this big step, maybe the thing that that is that like, I'm going to trust that God is doing something. God is inviting me to take a step. That God is inviting me to, to do something courageous. Maybe that, for some of us, is, is a spiritual conversation with someone within our sphere of influence. Somebody that we think about, the kind of thing that, that if, man, if the, if the lights could just come on for them. If, if, if I could just speak the, God's truth to them or help them see God a little bit more clearly or help them see what God could do to, to make such a profound difference in their lives that, that we look and we have these moments where, we pray and we say, God, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and how can I get in on that? And God puts before us this, this face or this situation or this relationship, this conversation. And we look at that and we say, well, I don't know if I have that kind of courage. Right? What, what are they going to say? What, what, what if they ask me this? Or what if they push back? Or what if they, you know, like, don't accept what I have to say? And what Jesus is saying is that, um, that we can trust that God is going before us, that, that every time That every time we're prompted to have a spiritual conversation, every time that that God says, I want you to to, to talk about me to that person or or steer this conversation in in a way that that brings light into the darkness of of this conversation, that that it's because God is at work. God's at work in us and God's at work on the other side of the conversation too. That we can trust the one who, who goes before us. That God is at work in some way in the life of the person that we're prompted to talk to. And we look at it differently instead of saying this, this terrifying moment of a conversation. Not that we're not nervous and not that we're like utterly confident, but we can look and say, so, so the God, so God who created the universe, the one who spoke all of this into existence, the one who, who set the moon and the stars and, and created all things, that, that the attention of God is on me and he's inviting me to have a conversation with somebody else. That He's inviting me to a front row seat of the lights coming on for somebody else that, that, that God that God is giving me an opportunity to work with him, right, to be a part of that. We look and we say, so, so what a privilege, what a joy. What, what, like, what do we have to be afraid of? We trust. When we trust God, we get this right, that, that God is perpetually going before us. And then we trust God. We trust God to do great things. Some of us have this, maybe uh, we're, our lives are marked by low expectations, thinking, well, like, I'm just trying to make it through. Right? I'm not sure that, that there's anything better than just simply or anything that goes beyond, at least for me, there's this, there's anything that goes beyond just simply making it. And what we get is this picture of, of God doing extraordinary things, right? The list that he said to the disciples of go and do these things are things that, that if any of us actually got, like were able to see in person that, that something like that happening, that would be something we would talk about for the rest of our lives. And Jesus is, is saying, like when you when you journey with God, when you, when you trust Him, when you learn to do these things, when you, when you follow after Him like this, then, then you get to see God do great things. Not you do great things, that, that God does great things through you. Some of us, it's, a, it's an issue of low expectations. Some of us, it's an issue of, of high expectations, but, but on ourselves. Saying, so, so I need to figure out how I can make something happen. I want to do great things for God. I want to do great things and maybe even impress God with what what I've accomplished. And Jesus is saying that the God who does great things doesn't need you to make great things happen for him. He wants to do great things through you. And when we get this right, when we get this right, then the greatness of God is on full display in our lives. The greatness of God is, is, is not in any way encumbered by, by us getting in the way of it, regardless of other circumstances. And we learn that the only way that we really get to do great things, the only truly great things that we get to do are through faithful obedience, being where God is asking us to be, following through on what he's asking us to do. And so as we prepare for it, Prepare, prepare for communion. This, this message, the, this story of trust, it plays out in two key ways. One is that it plays out in us. It plays out in the, in the inner parts of who we are, this, this, this heart issue. Because we have, for some of us, we have maybe lived our lives in a way that thinks that, that, that would make us think that, that our value in terms of the kingdom, that our value in terms of, of, of God's mission, our, our value in terms of what God is wanting to accomplish in this world is wrapped up in what we bring to the table. And what Jesus is saying as he's sending out the disciples to go get front row seats to some extraordinary things, to the lights coming on in extraordinary kinds of ways, he's saying your value to God's mission is not in what you bring to the table. It's not in what you make happen. It's not what you accomplish. In fact, I wrote in my notes, I said Jesus doesn't seem to be too concerned about what we bring to the mission but he's deeply concerned about how we come to the mission, right? About the condition of our hearts, what, what, what the mission brings out of us, what the mission does in us, this, this who we are, who we're becoming as we follow him. About whether or not we trust him enough to let go. Instead of saying our value is found in what we bring to the table, we, we turn and we say our value is found in our obedience, and our faithful response to what God is prompting us to do. So it plays out in us and it plays out through us. So we look and we ask a simple question and maybe this is a, for us maybe as a, as a reflection that, that we take as we, as we prepare to celebrate communion together. Maybe it's a, it's a question that, that we make part of our, just our, our wrestling and listening to God speak as we go about the rest of our week that we look and we say, what is it? What is it that, that God would want to do, that God would want you to do that requires you to trust him, right? What is it if, if God was saying, so, so here's this big thing I'd love to see happen. Here's this, this picture that I have for your life, this, this call that I've placed on your life, that, that what would it be, That what would we do? What is it that God's calling us to do that, that requires trust? Or you could look at it this way, maybe a different way to ask the same question is, what has he been asking you to do that you simply can't seem to find the courage to do, right? It's taking that question and, and looking at it in a little bit different way what would we do? What would we do if we said, so if I really trusted God, if I really trusted that, that God was sending me, that God was speaking to me, that God was pushing me out, that God was sending me out on this kind of thing, that, that God was saying, I'm with you, that, that I want to do great things through you and, and in you, that what would, it, what would it be? What is it that we're just simply lacking the courage? What is it that God wants to do in us or through us that it's just simply us finding the courage to do it, to find the trust in him to do? Is it a conversation with someone that we're close to that that we feel the weight of it because we want to get it right, that we're, we're, we're so, like, we feel the importance of the conversation, so much so that it's hard for us to even know where to start in the conversation. We're worried about what, the way they may respond to us or whatever. Is, it, is there a conversation with someone that's close to us? Is it maybe for some of us we're, we're holding on to something that, that gives us comfort, that, that, that that's the thing that we're trusting, and we're invited to let go of that thing to, to take hold of something better? Or maybe what God is putting in front of us is something that, that utterly terrifies us. And it's like, I, w- I, I could never, there's no way, right? There's no way I could ever do this. And, and God's saying, but if I'm with you, right? Because I'm with you, because I'm inviting you to, to journey with me, that, that you don't have to be able to accomplish this. What I'm asking you to do is, is faithfully trust and obey as I'm prompting you. And, and we're going to do this together. Right, what is that thing that is utterly terrifying? If It's like, well, if I really trusted, right, if I really trusted God, then, then I would take that step right, I or would, I would go that direction. And then Jesus is saying, so, so let's do that. Right? Let me teach you to trust me. Let's take it a step at a time and work our way that direction, but, but let's not leave anything undone. Let's, let's, let's lean in and take hold of what I'm inviting you to do, to, to get a front row seat to, to Jesus doing great things in this world through us.